0: Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm so excited to be back. And this time I am very excited about my guest because... Not only does she have unbelievable awards and accolades, she is one of my dearest, dearest friends. She is a college softball head coach at Oregon state. Her team just went to the women's college world series this past June. She played for the Fresno state Bulldogs. She's a four-time all-American and also a national champion. She played center field. She is the only Four time Olympic medalist with USA softball. She has three Olympic gold medals and one silver. She also was an assistant coach for Team USA when they brought home the silver medal in the Tokyo Games. And most of all, and my favorite, she was my roommate on Team USA for 10 years. The amazing <laughs> and funny Laura Berg. Laura, welcome to the show.
1: Leah, well, I think the most important accolade is being your roommate for 10 years. <laughs>
0: I know. We have too many stories that go back, and <laughs> we traveled the world, and we represented Team USA, but more than that, we sure had fun as roommates, didn't we?
1: Absolutely. We had a great time. I don't think there was a day that we didn't go, that didn't go by that we didn't laugh.
0: I know. I tell people Laura was the perfect roommate. I think mostly because I took like an hour to get ready, and Laura took literally two minutes. So.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> my still, the time didn't time didn't need a lot of work, so...
0: <laughs> you roll out of bed and let's go. All right. So let's talk a little bit about you, Laura. I'm excited to share your story. First of all, congratulations, um, taking you. your team to the world series this year. It, tell me a little bit about that experience. What was that? like?
1: It was just, uh, just amazing. It just, what a, what a special year, what a special group, you know, super excited for Mariah Mason, you know, being a, a, a fifth year senior and, and seeing the hard work that she has put in from, you know, year one to, to her, her COVID fifth year, um, was just so amazing to be able to watch and get all American and make it to the world series. Um, funny story, you know, the Utah series was important. So it was, you know, you win the series, you could go to the world series. If you sweep the series, there's a, a, a great chance. I mean, of going uh, postseason. And so, you know, leading up to it, can't sleep, can't sleep. And I remember going to the field, um, to get ready for game one and I don't listen to a lot of country but it was on the station where Florida Georgia Line came on and they start singing their song if it's meant to be it'll be and it kind of like snapped and I'm like well if it's meant to be it's meant to be and let loose and let go and let these guys run with it and so and that's what I did I kind of just got out of their way and said all right guys let's go it's it's on you it's 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 your team let's go
0: and how was that as a coach, since you played at the women's college world series, you won a national championship. What was that like to lead your team now as a coach? Uh, it was,
1: it was really special being on that field. Um, there's nothing like ending your career. I mean, you know, this with the national championship, you know, the last game on that field, it's been very different from what I played to what it looks like now. And I'm so excited for this group of athletes now because they get to play in such an amazing stadium like that. And they deserve it. You know, they deserve it.
0: Talk about some of the differences, you know, cause again, it's been a long time since we played talk about some of the differences. but well, they've got, um, you
1: know, all those tall, uh, seating out in the outfield. Um, I think at the time when I played, they maybe had like nine or 10, you know, maybe even 10 to, to 15 of the smaller four level type bleachers out in the outfield that you see at parks. They were like the portable bleachers. Uh, and then down, probably maybe from third base on down the down the outfield line, it was just a grass berm that people would sit on, or you see little kids rolling down it during the middle of the game. Um, you know the, that. Then it's got the the second level uh, where uh, people can go up and sit. It's like a it's like a major league ballpark. You well, know? I think and, they um, had
0: close to thirteen thousand fans, and this I'm is incredible. the first year they they expanded I'm to that, yeah. to be able to play in that environment. is just truly amazing yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, they even have, I mean, they've got incredible practice fields where, you know, we didn't quite have that. So,
0: <laughs> well, it's moving in the right direction, right? The it sport is. is. For sure. For sure. Okay. Let's go back. Let's go back mm-hmm. to when Laura Berg is young and she's here in Southern California growing up. Um, <laughs> you are a twin, you and your sister Randy were two of the best players here in Southern California. Um, I was fortunate and, you know, I don't even know. Played against you way too many times before we became teammates on Team USA. But what? When did you fall in love with softball, and when did you know that was your sport?
1: Yeah, Um, I think when I was just a, a little kid, we went um, t-ball. We started our first year of t-ball, and then from there we went into um, you know reg leagues, little miss, you know things like that. And then I think it was at the age of twelve when we went to uh, the Little Rascals. It was our first travel ball. Uh, Season, and I think that's really when the love kind of just kicked in and be like, okay, this is a sport that I want to play.
0: And you played other sports, right?
1: Yeah, um, volleyball in high school, basketball in high school. We played kick the can as kids and hide and seek, you know, and all those fun things. Never got into really soccer or anything like that, but um, yeah, softball was always my first love.
0: So what what was different about that sport than the others?
1: You know, um, it's hard. It really is. You're asked to hit a round ball with a round bat and you hit it squarely. Um, and you know, there's just something about the the feel of the glove on your hand and and being able to throw runners out at home plate and you know be a part of a team. You know, be there. Um, you know, supporting your pitcher. You know, who's trying to get a batter out, and they get to the, make them pop up, and you get to catch the ball for them. You know, and 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 be a part of that and the traveling part of it and you know, I love living out of a suitcase and hotels and airports and airplanes and, you know, things like that.
0: And for you, I feel like it was your time and your team, the, the orange County Batbusters, that, you know, up until that point, I feel like a lot of athletes were recruited and then they were moved to the outfield. I feel like you had athletes yourself and, a couple other players on your team where people were specifically recruited as outfielders because of your play. I remember hearing about you. Well, I played against you, but then hearing from other people when they were recruiting, how they wanted you, because they knew no matter what was hitting the outfield, it wasn't going to be dropped. And okay. and what does that mean to you? How important that is, is that to you? It's
1: an honor for people to say that, you know um, what I always looked at it is, you know, my pitcher is on that mound and she's working her butt off for me, you know, to get somebody out. And If she gets somebody to pop up, I'm finding a way. I don't care what I have to do. I'm finding a way to make sure I catch that ball. And that's just kind of the approach that I've always taken as an outfielder. You know, I'm left-handed. So um, my, my, uh, you just don't really see a lot of lefty shortstops, a lot of lefty (laughs) third baseman, so second baseman. So I'm kind of limited a little bit, Um, but you know, high school um, caught, I was a catcher there, but I got moved in because uh, our catcher got injured or senior catcher got injured. Um, I remember my high school coach wanted to teach me how to pitch and, you know, cause I was left-handed and I just, have always had the love for outfield. You know, I never wanted to pitch. I didn't, I think I did a couple of lessons with him and that was it. I'm like, I'm an outfielder.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not my thing. I'm an outfielder. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I will always say outfielder's rule. That's right. I, to this day, Laura, I mean, you, I believe you are the best outfielder there ever has been. Um, Thank you. You're biased. Okay. Let's, <laughs> Um, you know, when we talk about goals, right. With the gold standard, one of the core pieces I believe is having belief in goals and knowing where you want to go. So what did that look like when you were growing up? Like how did college softball fit into that equation? And when did the Olympic situation fit into that equation?
1: Um, I think once, uh, we started playing travel ball, Randy and I, it kind of, you know, was thrown at us, not thrown at us. It was, you know, told us that we can get a college scholarship. And so that was the main goal was to be able to work hard and be able to get noticed, to be able to have our education paid for. Um, and then being on the orange County backbusters, one of my teammates was talking with Gary Hanning, and Gary made the comment to her. She is an Olympic type athlete and it really kind of, she relayed that information to me and it kind of hit me of like, well, oh okay, um, I can do this then I, let's let's do this. let's have this as a goal. And so ever since then, uh, probably when I was you know 14, 15 is when um, you know, I kind of set it as a goal to uh, to be in the Olympics.
0: That's awesome. And so. Um, You made the USA team with, um, for the world championships, you were one of, you were the youngest player. How old were you when you made your first world championship team?
1: I was, I think it was 19. It was after my freshman year of college. I was 19.
0: Tell tell me about that experience going with all these (laughs) veterans and women who have played. I mean, who was the oldest player on that team or how old was the oldest? Uh,
1: Pat Duffesey. Duffy was the oldest player on the team. And I remember her taking me to this like a uh, go-kart place and she's like, I'm the oldest, you're the youngest, let's go. And so we went and raced around in these go-karts. Um, it was pretty cool, but you know, being on the team um, was pretty special because I got, I looked up to people like Lisa Fernandez and Dot Richardson, Martha senior, Shelly Stokes. You know, I remember, you know, wanting to go to, to Fresno state because of Martha and Shelly and, you know, Lisa, I was like, I remember in high school being like, oh my gosh, that's Lisa Fernandez. That's, I had Randy go over and had a pic, have her, you know, autograph a picture for me. So then I, and I kept it in my wallet and just so it can remind me like, you know, be like Lisa and, you know, to be able to be on her team, Lisa and Dottie took me under their wings and, you know, kind of showed me like, well, this is what USA softball is all about. And so well, how, how,
0: how important is that to have people to look up to like that?
1: Oh gosh, it's extremely important. They help guide you. They help, you know, um, mentor you in, in how to set goals. How do you um, hold yourself uh, accountable? How are you with your teammates? How are you, you know, are you doing the right things to be able to obtain these goals that you've set for yourself? And you, if you waver, you have these people who kind of rang you back in um, and then, you know, they push you, you know, if you come to practice and, you have your head up your butt, they can get into the middle of you and be like, Hey man, this is, this isn't, this doesn't align with your goals that you have set forth. And you know, what are you, what are you going to do to change that? What are you going to do to get back on track? You know?
0: Yes. It's not just to show you, like you said, it's to keep you accountable too. I think that's so important people who surround themselves with only yes, men and yes, women that are just going to constantly tell you what you want to hear is not going to push you it's not going to make you right. better it's not going to help you get to that next level because there are blinders that we wear and things we don't see and times we need to be kind of held accountable in that in that way that you're talking about. Right. So what does that look like now that you're a head coach at a division 1 university in the Pac-12 um what does goal setting look like with you and your teammates?
1: Yeah, you know, I the one thing that I do with my coaching staff is I get people who, you know, it's, it's from a different perspective, a different lens. I may see something one way, they see something totally different and then we can get onto common ground. Like you said, I don't want yes people. I want people who are gonna push me and say, no, That's there's a better way of doing something and it makes me better you know you have an athlete a, a teammate that is better than you in the outfield well then you have to work harder to get better than her and it, it pushes her to get better and then it pushes you and ultimately the team gets better and so if I have a coach in here that pushed me to get better then you know the program gets better I have, you know, people that I know that I can call if I have a question, if I have something that I need help on. I know uh, Mike Andrea always answers his phone if I give him a call and, you know, ask him a question. I know uh, Karen Weekly and Ralph Weekly will answer. Uh, Joe Evans will answer her phone and help me out if there's anything that I need. Um, Kelly Inouye. Oh, my gosh. She has been clutch and huge for me. Uh, Kurt Walker, even, you know, being uh, the head coach here and, and me being his assistant, Um, was incredibly helpful as, you know, him being a mentor to me.
0: And so do your athletes, do you pass that along to them? Do you guys set goals as a team?
1: For sure. I let them do it. You know what? I have my national championship ring. You know, they're the ones, this is their time. I'm a has-been. I'm done. It's their time. What are your guys' goals? What is it that you want to accomplish? And I ask them all the time, it's your legacy. What do you want people to say about you in your legacy when you're done playing here at Oregon state? And so, um, I let them choose what it is that they want. And then I ask them, well, what does that look like? So then they set forth, like, this is what, you know, we're going to do to be able to accomplish the goals that we need. Okay. We have to hold each other accountable. All right. And we can't get hurt or upset or, know whatever it might be because you get called out on you know doing something that that isn't aligning with your goals
0: do the athletes tend
1: to take that well it varies from team to team you know you got some players that you know will say yeah you can get on me you can hold me accountable and then at the end of the day when when they are they don't handle it well and so you just kind of learn um who those people are And then you have to go a different different route about doing it, you know, do you walk them down the down the sideline with your arm around them and be like, hey, you know, and take them away from their teammates so they're not getting called out in front of the team you just, you know, some athletes you can just knock on the front door and they respond and some you go through the kitchen window and that's how you get them to respond and so you just have to as a coach find different ways.
0: I love that. That's a great great analogy. And it is so true. And that's one of the things, you know, I would love to hear more about what you think that the coaches saw in you when they said she is an Olympic type athlete, because I feel like a lot of parents think their kid is the very best, right? As parents, sometimes we also have blinders. Um, but what are, what are those values? Because I, I believe this is one major area is that we as athletes wanted to know, we wanted to be held accountable. We wanted information and, you know, we really wanted to rise up to the next level and we're willing to take, you know, constructive criticism. So what are Mm -hmm. those other attributes that you believe your coaches saw in you that made them, you know, made Gary Hanning say, she is an Olympic style athlete.
1: Um, you
0: know, it's not
1: just your athleticism, you know, it's your passion. It's your enthusiasm for the game, you know, um, are you just like softball is two to five and that's it? Or is it like softballs from the minute you wake up and you take care of your schooling, but then, you know, you go to bed at whatever time you go to bed and you're still thinking softball. Like I would walk through target and have to buy silverware or something. And that would be my bat, And so I'm walking through target, working on my swing. Right. You know, so it's um, I think it's a passion. It's a love for the sport. I think I always, was harder on myself than Gary was. Gary didn't need to yell at me because I always push myself to work harder than everybody else. It's your work, work ethic. You know, it's the, you know, never be satisfied type, type deal. You know, it's the look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and ask yourself, did I get better? Did I push myself?
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and I agree. And I, I'll never forget us sitting in coach Kandrea's office and um, you saying, coach, if there, if it's time for me to get out of the game, please just be real with me. Like, I don't want to be hanging on too long and yeah. I'll never forget he, I was there just for moral support. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you asked me to go with you and he's, and I remember he said, you know um, yeah, there are some athletes coming up and they're faster than you guys and they're stronger, but They don't have the passion that you have. And I think sometimes that gets overlooked, especially in a time in today's day and age where everything is measured by metrics and you have every tool out there with technology these days and you can't measure passion. And so is that something as a coach, do you look for that in athletes?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You got to look for the Tom Brady's, man. You know, I know he was he was drafted at one ninety nine in sixth round, and it's like you know I heard on the the documentary of like if you could cut his chest open and see his heart, he's going number one. You know, and so y- you look for those that you know do the the extras, the little things, you know. If they're not in the game, you know, are they running down the sideline to stay warm? Are they swinging a bat in case they get called upon for a pitch hitting role? You know, are they ready when somebody on their team is slow? Do they have their helmet in hand knowing they're going to go and they're going to run? So then they just pop their helmet on and boom, coach, all they got to do is get that look from the coach and boom, they're off. They know that to get to first base, you know, Um, are they going to pout, you know, if they're not starting or, if, you know, you can learn a lot by watching the game from the bench.
0: Yeah, you really can. I I love that. I think that's so important for athletes and parents even to hear um, those those little extra things. Okay. So let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about overcoming obstacles because challenges, trials, slumps, it is all part of the game. It is not fun. Like you said, it is a very hard sport. And we took, you know, our share of all of those experiences. So for you, um, what would you say is the biggest obstacle you had to overcome?
1: For me, was it was always my size. Um, you know, I was called bones. I was, you know, skin and bones when I was grown up and force-fed, you know, protein shakes. So I could gain <laughs> some weight. That's um, what I need to do for my son Luke. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> you know. But back then, I mean, the protein shakes were awful. Now, like, I, they're like fantastic. The pure protein. Have you ever had that? Oh man, it's no. good it's good okay. different flavors all that it's it's really good but it comes in like candy bars too style type or the drink both good okay. um but you know I remember remember Mission Viejo that was the park that we always played at oh, I, remember, yes. I remember being there I was uh 13 mm-hmm. I think and I remember being in the car with in the van with my family and I remember crying and telling my mom, I want to quit. The only reason we're not playing is because of our size. And it's like, why, you know, are we spending this money? Why are we putting this work? And I just, I, I want to quit. I don't want to be on this team anymore. My mom said, no, there's, there's, there's a lesson behind here for you to learn. And that lesson was to work harder. If you want to position work harder than everybody else. So they can't put somebody in over you. And so that's, has been a lesson that I have carried out throughout my entire career playing.
0: How old were you when that happened?
1: I was, I was 13. I remember being, um, uh, what was I? No, I was 12, 12 or 13, something like that. Yeah.
0: But I, I think a lot of people probably can relate. I'm not playing. It's not fun if I'm not playing. So forget it. I'm going to move yeah. on to something else where I can play, Yeah. but I I'm glad that your mom pushed you. I mean, look what that led sure. to.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's just a lesson that, you know, I, every day I'm so thankful of my mom for not letting me quit. You know, I made a commitment and, you know, I learned a, a valuable lesson out of it, you know, not just, you know, something that I use for sports. I use it throughout life, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Now talk to me a little bit as a coach, what is the hardest thing, um, I think sometimes it's harder as a coach than it is as a player, because you can actually make a difference in the bats in your hand. So what has been yeah. one of the hardest things?
1: Yeah, I think, um, a couple of things, like one thing I have a really hard time of dealing with is injuries. Like I have really had to learn step back and, and really not very reactive about it. Um, because when I played, like I wasn't coming out of game, you know, <laughs> concussed, I could- the finger, turned yeah. the ankle, pulled hamstring. I don't care. I don't know. You fix it. And I'm, I'm going back out there on the field. I mean, I'm not telling people go play her. I don't, I don't, you know, I want people, you know, to take that kind of a message and to do that. Um, I just had a a passion for the game that I just, I wanted to play. That's all I I wanted to be in the game and play and the mental health aspect of the game, you know, that, that these kids are, are having to deal with, you know, growing up in the, the day and age that they have with social media and everyone, you know, all they do is show the positive things. Well, yeah. I mean, no one's going to go on there and said, Hey, you know, I just got into a car accident or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I failed my test. No, everyone wants to show how happy they are. And it's not, everybody's happy. You know, there it's okay to to not be okay and to be sad and to, to deal with those emotions and those feelings. And, you know, if you need to get help, it's okay to go get help. And so I think having to deal with the mental health aspects, social media um, uh, is a challenge for me every day.
0: Yeah, I understand. And I'm sure as coaches, just you care about these athletes like they're your daughters. And so yeah. to help figure out, I think that's, you know, we need to keep talking about it. And it needs yeah. to be okay to not be okay and to talk about not being okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, and, and to okay. use the
1: resources they have, that's the toughest part is like, I, I can lead them to water, but I can't make them drink. And so to go out there and just use the resources, you know, the, the, all of the the things that we provide, go to church. If you know, that helps you go on walks, go and talk to a friend, whatever it might be, use it. It's valuable.
0: Yeah. Find what it is for you. And I think that's important to know because usually it is isolation and it's people, um, closing off and, and, you know, so many sad stories you hear that people are shocked to hear, you know, when something happens, they try to take their life or they do take their life. Yep. Um, okay. Let's do a little bit of a shift as well. Again. Um, I want to talk about, cause a lot of people don't know this and I just remember this time period. Okay. Um, but you, you were done in the 2008 Olympics. You um, won a silver medal with team USA. You went to your fourth Olympics. Um, and then you took a little bit of turn, um, in what you were pursuing. Talk to me a little bit of, of what happened.
1: Yeah. Uh, at that stage in my life, I wanted to stay in Los Angeles, and um, you know, I was giving lessons, had a great time doing that, but just, uh, wanted to do something more. And I got into LAPD. Um, both my brothers are in law enforcement. Um, and they talk about, um, uh, the team aspect, the camaraderie, you know, how much fun that they have. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe this will be fun. Maybe this is something that I can do and make a living out of it. And, I'm so glad I did it. Something, you know, other than softball, because it's been softball my whole life. Um, and it's amazing, lessons, some am- amazing people that I've met that I still stay in contact with um, some great stories. Um, you know, that song, you know, the freaks come out at night. It's very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, but yeah, I just have some great stories and uh, learned a lot.
0: And, and so how did you know that that was not what you wanted to do? Because I think, you know, that happens to some people, right? They try something, they think, okay, this is the direction I'm going to go. And then what made you decide this is definitely not for me?
1: Yeah, I went, um, I don't know if you remember this going, we were all at the college world series. And, um, I remember being there with all of you guys and thinking, I need, I need to get back into this game. I need to. And I remember seeing Sue in quest and being like, Sue, uh, I need to get back into this game.
0: You knew that the passion wasn't there. Say that again. The passion wasn't there
1: as a, you know, I just wasn't passionate about it. It was fun. I had a good time. Great memories. Again, great people that I got to meet, but the passion, the love, um, wasn't there. And if it's going to be something that I do for 30 years, I want the passion to be there every time I go there, you know? Um, and so I just sued, it literally was like maybe a month later, um, two months and I get a call from Kirko uh, saying, Hey, I um, have a job opening up. Are you interested? And so I knew in my heart that was, this was the place to be.
0: Well, that's good that you put out those fillers and at least mentioned that in the sense of, you know, like you said, I think sometimes people feel like they're stuck. And I think (laughs) it's important for people to Realize, no, this is how you're going to spend every day of your life. And I, and I knew the difference because I would ask and say, Hey, how do you like it? And you said, I mean, it can't be better. I'm doing something I love every single day. I get to go my, you know, I go to the softball field as my office. And so, you know, it's in your blood, it's in your bones for sure. Um, that's awesome. Okay. Wait, you have to tell this story though, really quick, because (laughs) I do remember you talking about when you guys, um, were practicing with the taser and, (laughs) you and what people need to know is Laura is one of the toughest, like most stubborn <laughs> people ever. And she does not like to show weakness. And I don't know if you still do or not, but you would not show any very rarely showed emotion. Opposite of me. <laughs> Many times where she probably saw me tearing up and crying. I don't know. Were you, were you thinking like, come on, Leah, like get over it? Like No,
1: no, never. <laughs> it's okay to cry. It is. Um, you know, uh, so in law enforcement, you have to experience the taser and you have to experience the, um, OC spray, uh, to know how it is that your body's going to react to it. And, um, with the taser, they put one in your shoe and they put a little thing in your pocket. You don't actually get shot with it. And so you have an issue, you have it in your pocket, you have your teammates right next to you, holding on to you. And all you have to do is just feel it for a second. That's it feel it for a second. And but if you go for five seconds, then you're in the five second picture. And I'm like, I'm going for five seconds. And so I was just like, all right. And I was one of, so the, the group leader, there are four groups and I was one of the, the, uh, one of the four group leaders. So they have to go first. So it's the person who really leads the, the whole group and then it's the four leaders. And so um, I had to go in there and I'm like, all right, hit it. And I just buried my head down and just wrote it out for five seconds. <laughs>
0: I, I remember you telling me like you did not make a sound, but then you talked about yeah. all the other people and especially a lot of the guys were just screaming oh, the guys. Yeah.
1: Cause the more muscle you have, the the more pain you experience. And there's just like these big brulee guys just like, and they just are screaming
0: but I just could picture this when you were telling me this, because yeah. I just know you like yeah. Laura will not show anything. Like you said, I mean, you'll have your arm hanging off and you'll still go out. I'm, I'm playing coach. I mean, you would have to literally be pulled off the field before they would, you know, not put you back in, honestly. <laughs> oh, So great. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk about a little bit about the L in the gold standard, which is leadership. And you mentioned a little bit, some coaches that you can reach out to and how important that is. And some people you looked up to, and when you made the USA team dot, you know, Richardson, Lisa Fernandez, they pulled you under their wings and they started kind of showing you the ropes for what USA softball is. What, um, what would you say to people about the importance of finding people that you look up to, that you can talk to having mentors in your life?
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's extremely important, you know, not only do you have them, you know, helping you along the way and them being leaders, but you have people who can hold you accountable, you know, when you kind of beer off a little bit. Um, I think that it is something that every athlete should have and not always just like your best friend, you know, someone who's going to be real with you. Someone who's just going to be like, yeah, no, today was not your best day. Like what's going on. And kind of like, like check in with you. Um, and see how you're doing, you know, maybe you flunked a test, maybe you got in a fight with your parents and, you know, you brought it onto the field, you know, um, I think it's something that every athlete and every coach needs to have absolutely for sure.
0: What let's talk about, about the qualities that you would say at your travel ball level, you were a national champion. What qualities did your coach have at that level that you feel like helped you become your best version of yourself?
1: Yeah, Um, Gary was, and even still now, uh, extremely honest. You know, if I go to him for one of his players and be like, "Hey, you know, tell me about this person," and he's like, "Yeah, you got no shot." I'm like, "Okay, I won't waste my time then." Uh, but he's so so honest and straightforward, and that's what that's what I need. I needed, you know, for him to be able to say, "Hey, you know, <clears throat> you popping up, you know, with a runner at third base, you know, to the shortstop isn't going to help win ball games for our team." You got to get that further out, you know, for them to be able to tag up and go, you know, or not putting a sacrifice bug down. I mean, it's it's one of the easiest things in our game, you know, to be able to go out and do. And if you don't do it, he's going to let you have it. And that's that's you know what I needed. That's what I wanted uh, as a coach. And then someone that I could go to if I have a question about the game, you know, Gary, even now, you know, I would see him at the field that I'm out recruiting and be like, all right, Gary, you know, (laughs) give me your thoughts in first and thirds. You know, you know, to this day, I'll still pick his
0: brain. I love that. That means that you can be an expert. And even though he's coaching young athletes, you're a college coach. Now you're an Olympian, you're a gold medalist. And yet there's always something to be learned. Right. And it's, it doesn't matter what level they're coaching. Their expertise is there. And the game is the game. I I, I like hearing that. Okay. What about college best um, qualities of Margie Wright played for underneath at college? Um,
1: I think it was the, you know, always pushing you um, to be great every day. Um, I think it was, you know, knowing that she always had my back, you know, as an athlete, that she was going to go to war for, for her players and her team um, to be able to get, you know, the amazing stadium that we have uh, there. Um, you know, I was very fortunate. I got two years on the old field and got to play on the field with the the great, like, Martha Knopf Singer and Shelly Stokes and Ryan Pifferini and people like that. And uh been two years on the new field. And so that was uh pretty incredible. But you know, always knew Margie always had our back.
0: And then we finished, or you finished your career. I finished my career also playing for Mike Kendra for Team yeah. USA. Um <laughs> tell me what you feel like he brought to the table.
1: Um how much time do we have? <laughs> you know, I think with uh coach kandre you knew that you were a person first um you know above and beyond being a softball player uh you always felt that you were loved you know um on and off the field and that he was going to do everything in his power to help you be successful as an athlete and as a human being um, and so i will always be grateful to him you know uh, i chose to go to fresno state over arizona And he's still I still feel loved by him, even though that happened. And, you know, I think the respect started from the very beginning um, when he didn't recruit my twin. That was the only difference as to why, you know, I went where I went. Um, I was too shy as a player. I was too shy as a kid to go by myself. And, you know, all the respect and the hats off to him. He didn't recruit my sister to get me. You know, he was honest from the very beginning. And I have a shortstop. I have a second baseman. What I need is an outfielder. Um, and from from there, most a lot of schools wouldn't have done that.
0: Wow, that says a lot, and I absolutely agree with what you're the, you're commenting on and saying. How as people, and I think that can go so far because we we're so focused on our sport and knowing the game and the skill aspect and the work ethic. But above all of that, it's true. Like if you pour out love and care, you're going to get that back. And then they add, it just adds to all the other stuff that we're working on. It's really that foundational truth and and peace. I think, I think with,
1: with coach Kendra, he's the epitome of softball is not who you are. It's what you do. And that has always resonated with me.
0: I think that's important for everybody to think no matter what we do later in life, no matter what we're striving for. Yeah. Who we are is so important. And that, that really should trump what we do always. For it's sure. it's hard for people because a lot of people find their identity and in, in what happens on a field. Right, right. Um, Okay. So the last letter is D, which is dedication and drive. What drove you? You talk about work ethic, wanting <laughs> to do more. What was the driving force behind it that kept you dedicated, committed, willing to sacrifice so much?
1: Yeah. I think the, the, the lesson that one that I learned from my mom, you know, is to outwork everybody. I didn't want to sit on the bench. You know, I wanted to be in the game. I wanted to have the bat in my hand when the game was on the line. Uh, I wanted to be out there with my teammates, you know, playing for Gary. Uh, I always got pinched hit for um, during big, crucial parts of the game. And I didn't want that. I I wanted to be the one that he wanted in the batter's box with the game on the line, you know. And so he would meet me. The man is a saint. I tell you what, he gave up his Friday nights to be able to meet me at a hitting facility uh, to work with me hitting for an hour, for an hour, he would be there feeding the machine, or my dad would be feeding the machine. Both of those guys, like they deserve a purple heart or something or sainthood or something, because they just (laughs) were two amazing men. And it came to a point where, you know, I was at the nine hole and working with Gary every Friday, I got to go be in the one hole. And, um, I think from there, that's the lesson that I learned that if I want something I'm going to have to go out there and work at it. I'm going to have to go out there and take it because nobody in this world is going to hand it to me. Nobody's going to give it to me. You know,
0: it's just, it drove you and kind of goes back to those goals. Here's what I want. I I want to be in this position. I want to be looked at by the coach as you, you trust in me, not you're finding a replacement. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Very cool. All right. If I was to say to you, when you hear the gold standard, just that phrase, what, what do you think of when you hear that? I think of
1: being on the gold medal podium with my sisters, um, hands on our heart, medals around our neck, seeing our flag rise higher than everybody else's. Uh, every time I hear the national anthem, it puts me on that spot in 1996, the very first time uh, in the Olympic games, it puts me there. Every time I hear the word gold, the national anthem, you know, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear my, my teammates names, you know, it, it puts me up on that on that podium with them. And so it just, um, it reminds me of all the hard work, you know, not just myself, but everybody else, you know, who was along for the ride, my parents, my sister, my coaches, my teammates, um, who helped push me get better every day, you know, it just reminds me of, of everything that uh, led up to that moment.
0: And, and I think that we've talked a lot about mentors and leaders and people you look up to, but it really is also those people beside you. Cause I think of you and I in the outfield and we right. literally just, I mean, yes, we're in the Olympic games and there's all this pressure, but literally we're having so much fun. <laughs> I mean, we're probably, I was so immature <laughs> like <first> summer, <laughs> and we just we, loved what we were doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we won't tell everybody what it is that we were saying out there, but um, I mean, no, if, we, we will did, not. kept it nice and loose. And. You know, just cause it was the Olympic games doesn't mean, you know, you know, we put even more pressure on us, you know, pressure is a privilege and, you know, that's why we play athletics and, you know, we want the bat in our hand, but at the same time, it's a game. It is a game.
0: It is. It is. Okay. Tell us some fun, I don't know, memory that we have from being roommates. I don't know what comes to your mind when you, think- oh my gosh. Again, how much
1: time do we have?
0: <laughs> um, okay, just the top, the top
1: one. I remember, you know, having this camera that had a timer on it and we would go all over the place and just climb up roofs and on top of fences or in trees and hit the timer and take pictures and you know, I re- would remember, you know, um the I can remember the apartment that we were in listening to like um Jan Arden and um Gosh, who else was it? Uh, I'm telling you, no doubt, first came out with their yes. album Spiderweb, and then I think it was Alanis set was also her album was out. Um, and just remember having the music going, and you know, yeah, I don't. Um, do you? Okay, wait. Do you still
0: take a lot of pictures or no? Oh well, my phone is loaded with pictures. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Me too. See, it's who yeah. we were. I, it's who we were, and we were. Yeah. Because I tell people back when you had to like actually get pictures printed, I think between the two of us, I don't even know, do we have 40 like together or what? But rolls, I mean, 40 well, rolls. It was like tour. a big uh, manila envelope
1: full of uh, the film that was in there. And then we would just take one out and then we'd... and then the exciting part of taking it to like Costco or somewhere or Sam's club and like putting it in and, you know, a week later, 10 days later, boom, you get to go see through your pictures. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, always having to get doubles. Cause I need to give Leah the other copy of it. And oh yeah. Yeah. I, I remember know, walking people- um, miles, uh, to go get Dr. Pepper in Japan because we couldn't find it anywhere. And we
0: were Dr. Pepper drinkers. We wanted Dr. Pepper to sponsor us. Cause Coke was the we sponsor totally of the Olympic family. <laughs> I mean, Leah, we're where like was NL- NIL
1: when we played man,
0: we could have Dr. <laughs> Pepper, you know, jeez. We would have. And you jumped off that wagon. I'm still on it, though. I'm (laughs) trucking along. Um, And also, we need to tell the story before we leave, Um, because Laura is the biggest prankster. But the best part about being Laura's roommate for 10 years, I was her roommate on Team USA. The best part was that you are protected from having pranks pulled on you. (laughs) So, well, yeah, um,
1: I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I do know you don't prank your roommate. So. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so we have to tell them what your last prank on the softball field was at the
1: 2008 olympic games yeah so we were we were at practice and it was so hot and muggy uh in beijing and we knew that uh president bush was coming to the field uh so we, but we started warming up and and doing our thing and all of a sudden we just see this like entourage of like back, black vehicles coming up we're like oh he's here he's here and i remember we kind of gathered together as a team and i was like I think I said it to Nuby. I'm like, Nuvi, I'm going to, I'm going to put the chalk handprint on him. And she was like, no, you won't. And I'm like, oh yes. And so he came into the circle with us. And as he came around like introducing and shaking everybody's hand, I went and got chalk on my hand. Um, and then it was after cat Osterman, So they had that Texas bond and then he came and he shook my hand and I brought him in and I patted him right on the back. And so, and it was, like I said, hot and muggy and, and humid and, he had come from uh, beach volleyball. So his back was all sweaty. And so the chalk like just stuck right to the back of his hand. And I can just remember everybody who was behind him crack up laughing. <laughs> uh, he had no idea.
0: So Laura was the queen of, you would go we'd be in Japan competing and she would, you know, put her hand in chalk on the chalk line. And right before you go up to hit, she gives you that little high five on your, you know, your leg, your rear. And all of a sudden you go to bat and you have no idea. You have this big old handprint for everybody to see. (laughs) So you finished it and you retired with the president. That's pretty, yeah, darn I mean, you can't get
1: any higher than that. Like that was going to be my only opportunity to ever probably meet a president. I'm like, I, I have to do it. I have to do it. I'll never have this opportunity.
0: That's seriously so great. All right. So as we finish up, let's go quickly. Um, this is kind of a speed round. I'm going to go to your favorite five. All right. So okay. number one, your favorite book or podcast,
1: my favorite book right now is marching off the map. And it's about working with Athletes these days, the millenn- millennials versus Gen Z. And so it really helped me be able to see it from a different lens and see it from their lens. I will have to check that out. Okay, number two, favorite quote. Favorite quote sitting on my desk right now. It says, Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And so um I try to take that to my team and to listen without replying.
0: That's great. Great reminder. All right, number three, favorite athlete of all time.
1: Oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. I have to pick this one. Lisa Fernandez.
0: Awesome. Um, favorite place you've traveled to. Italy. And favorite memory in sports. Um, uh, being on the gold medal podium. Yes, three times you got to do that. Okay. <laughs> and your three gold tips that you would give to softball players today that are striving to be the best, whether it's high school or college what would you say are just these cre- We we talked a lot about a lot today, but yeah. three points. Uh, I think eight. one
1: is your work ethic. If you want it, work hard and go get it. Two, play other sports. Don't specialize in one sport, play multiple. And then three, take care of your mental health.
0: Good. Those are really important tips for everybody. Um, and, and reminders, I think for all of us, you know, even if you're out of the sports world, maybe not playing other sports, but having different hobbies and you oh, know, yeah. check into other things and, and kind of live life and find all the different, you know, aspects that fill you up. Like you said, in mental Perfect. health for all of us these days, uh, thank you so much, Laura. Obviously I was super excited to have you on my <laughs> yeah. favorite roommate on team USA ever. <laughs> um, We have the best memories, but thank you so much for sharing with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.